American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. So let's look a little more closely at Clay's American system. First of all, let's talk about finance. And you've found by now that finance is always crucial to supplying the lubrication and the energy necessary for capitalist expansion. The charter of Hamilton's First Bank of the United States had expired in 1811, and the Jeffersonians who ran Washington at that point had no plans to uh, replace it with a national bank. But in, in the course of the war with Britain, what the government found was they simply could not finance their military. They could not borrow enough money to recruit soldiers and build ships. And this almost destroyed the United States. So in 1816, learning from their lesson, Congress creates the second bank of the United States. And we'll talk about this a little more as we go further and about how it worked. But the plan for the bank, its purpose was to supply credit to entrepreneurial expanding sectors of the American economy, but also to control the private banking sector in general, to make sure that growth didn't get out of hand, happen too rapidly, and produce bubbles in particular commodities or particular investments. In the wake of the War of 1812, literally hundreds of thousands of Americans move west. They start to settle new lands and they start to produce goods, specifically agricultural commodities for the most part, on those lands. And they need some way to transport those goods to market. Now in the Mississippi Valley, they can often take advantage of an extensive river network. And a new technology, steamboats, which can actually sail up against the powerful current of the Mississippi, are absolutely crucial in developing this new part of the country. So improvements in harbors, river clearance, things like that, are a big part of the American system. They're a big part of what makes the transportation network grow. But in other parts of the country, the river system is not so helpful. And so Clay and his allies want to create an extensive network of canals that will allow the easy transportation of goods to market and of consumer goods back into the communities that are producing the grain and the cotton and the tobacco and the cattle and all of these other goods uh, that are coming out of the new farming regions. Now, some of these Clay hopes will be financed by the national government, but the most important of all is actually financed by the state government of, one of, of New York, one of the states that is benefiting the most from the post-1815 boom. The Erie Canal, which connects the Hudson River Valley to the Great Lakes, will be the single most significant infrastructure project built in the United States before the creation of the National Railroad Network. It opens up the interior of New York and eventually it connects New York City as a port and as a commercial and financial hub to the entire nation through the Great Lakes. There's one more piece to Clay's American system and that's the protection of America's infant industries. And these for the most part are concentrated in the textile belt that's emerging in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Now, the problem that those industries face is that they still, despite stealing 
much of their uh, technology from Britain, they still can't quite compete with the British industries, which can produce higher quality cottons and can produce cheaper cottons. So Congress decides to do something uh, that's, that's very savvy. They realize that the New England manufacturers have no chance of competing with the British on the higher quality uh, goods. And in fact, they want American consumers to be able to enjoy those goods. So they implement a two-layered tariff structure. They will charge very high fees on low-quality British goods that are imported. So what were called rough goods, cotton sheeting, uh, low-quality cloth that would be used for sailors' clothes or poor people's clothes or enslaved people's clothes and they charge virtually no fees on imported high-quality British goods. Now what this essentially does is it sets up a market in which both American and British textile industries have a large and in fact growing share. Both can win, as it were, under that system. Now economists might still talk about this as a kind of economic inefficiency, but it certainly pr protects uh, the American infant industries. It keeps the British from strangling them in their cradle, as it were. And it also protects, and this is important too, it also protects the market for uh, the American planters who are making, by 1819, almost all of the cotton uh, that both the New England and the Old England textile manufacturers are, are weaving into cloth. Between 1815 and 1819, it becomes obvious to many people in the Western world, particularly in Britain and the U.S., that something different is happening. Something has changed in economic life. And as we look back, we can see that this may be a pivot point, and at which point uh, the world shifts into different modes of economic growth. We can see this in the rate at which economic growth is happening. But even more than that, we can see that in how economic growth is occurring. What is driving it forward? In particular, what we see is that an industrial system has emerged. Now, the cores of that are in New England and in Old England. But linked into it, linked into that development, are all kinds of other things that are also changing. So we can see that absolutely crucial to this development because it's based at its core on cotton textile factories is the development of new ways of making raw cotton itself, particularly in the slave plantations that are popping up on the frontier of the United States. But what's also crucial is the development of new markets and new policies. These will bring more and more people as consumers, as producers, and as entrepreneurs into the further development of industrial capitalism. So 1815 to 1819 is the moment where we can look and we can say, now that is industrial capitalism. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University. Mm -hmm.